All right. Would you give your attention to Elder, Elder Myron? Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. If you're a visitor with us here today, there are cards in the chairs in front of you if you'd fill one of those out and then please place it in one of the boxes uh, by the back doors of the church. We would appreciate that. So next Sunday, we're having um, our, a dinner right after church. I've got two sign-up sheets that I'll be sending around. One is kind of for the, the meat and the main parts of the meal, and then there's another one for sides. So just go ahead and, and fill in anything that you might want to bring to that. And let's go ahead and stand for our memory verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your regrets be made known to God. Father, we just thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for this time where we can come together and sing praises to you, Father, and and uh, just to worship you. And Lord, as we enter into this season, um, as we head toward the reminder of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we just thank you for that this time of the year. Um, Father, we just give you praise and all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we light the candle of hope. It is the unshakable confidence that God can be trusted. Romans 8 assures that God is always at work for our good. Promises that are true even when we have to wait for their fulfillment. Because we put our trust in God, we can patiently wait, hopefully, and with the knowledge that God is there to provide the light we seek, the help we need, and the deliverance we long for. <clears throat> and in Mark 13, 24 through 27, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angel and gather his elect from the four winds. As Jesus came to us once, we know Jesus is coming again. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Romans 13, 11. <clears throat> Would you pray with me, church? <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we praise you and we thank you, God. We thank you that we have a lot, a lot, a lot to look forward to. God, you came once, and we know that you will come again. And so, Lord, we just pray that the hope that wells up in us when we think about you coming again someday would just be overwhelming. And so, God, we thank you. We thank you for that assurance. And now, as we celebrate in this season, God, we look to your, uh, your coming again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, church, uh, my name is Shane, and I'm pastor here. What a privilege it is to serve the, the saints here at FBC Riverton, and, and uh, we have been through a great journey in Mark. We're going to put a pause 
in our journey through the book of Mark, and we're going to uh, begin to discuss this thing called Christmas, and oh, there we go, we got slides, and I think a lot of us, we've been through many Christmases, some of us have been through fewer Christmases together, but the question is always standing before us, what do I do with this season? What do I do with this idea of Christmas? What do I do with this idea of Christmas? And so uh, we're going to take a journey as we look at different people in the Christmas story that prepared the way for Jesus today. We're going to be talking about a guy named Zechariah, and his name's just fun to say. You want to say that with me? Zechariah. Zechariah. He's a, a great name. Um, the reason I asked you guys to think about some of the, the songs for Christmas uh, is it, it reminisces a little bit of some of my memories. I remember as a kid, I would always uh, stay up way later eating too much sugar than I should have, like the whole month of December, because people were very generous for me. And I remember staying up every Christmas season. I could, I could count on walking down the stairs and seeing my dad sitting in a room full of Christmas decorations, looking at the tree quietly and listening to the worst Christmas song I've ever heard in my life. Elvis's I'll Have a Blue Christmas. Can I get an amen on that? I'm just kidding. I, if you like that song, it's fine. You know, now I have many fond memories of it, not because it's a great song, but because I'll always remember my dad contemplatively sitting down. It seemed like every day of December, and I couldn't, I was like, like, should I pray for him? Is he depressed? What is he? He's having a blue Christmas, apparently, every single Christmas. But as I've gotten older, that memory of my dad rings true to this idea that in, in a season that calls for us to be so active, we've got plays, we've got songs to sing, we've got tree lightings to be to, we've got TV shows, specials that we have to watch. We've got all these things, decorations that we have to get up. In all of that craziness, I always appreciated that my dad would quietly sit down and be present during Christmas. And I just, I have that memory of my dad. And, and I think we're going to see God do this, uh, not willingly, but forcefully on Zechariah today. God forces Zechariah to be quiet for the coming promises that God has spoken over his life. And so let's look at Luke 1. I want to start in Luke 1. We're going to pick up in verse 5. Luke 1, 5. If you got a Bible today, I hope you do. And if you brought your device, go ahead and turn that to uh, the U the version app or whatever Bible app you use. I like to see that warm glow in this season. Luke 1, 5. It starts... In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years." Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at that hour of incense. 
And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready the Lord a prepared, a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold... You will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So, I, I like some of your translations will say, behold, some of your translations will say, be quiet. It's kind of a polite way to say, shut up! And I think, brothers and sisters, that we need to hear that call in our lives in this season, don't we? Because there's a lot of expectations in front of us, and there's a lot of thoughts, and there's a lot of, uh, with all of us, when we come to Christmas, we come with many years of baggage. Maybe we come with memories. Maybe we come with mourning. Christmas is sometimes a, a time to look back and you think, oh, I miss so-and-so. I miss this person that I love that's not here anymore. It becomes a time of mourning. There's so much on our minds and on our hearts and presented to us that it's really hard. And I think the strong language that the angel uses here with Zechariah is shut up, be quiet, be silent. And so I want to look at, at Zechariah, if you will, um, and go through what that quiet needs to look like for us. And it starts in verse 6. If you'll notice, Zechariah was showing up to the priesthood. He was being quiet with his life. Let's see if I can. There we go. He's being quiet with his life, being quiet with his life. What did that mean for Zechariah? Well, we see that Elizabeth and Zechariah were living righteously and quietly. I think it's interesting. I, this has always just dazzled me. There's a saying from the Apostle Paul, and he told the believers in the early church to live a quiet life. And I thought that that's always kind of a hypocritical charge from a guy named Paul. Because if you know his testimony, dude was in shipwrecks. He couldn't. Keep, he had to be lowered down. So this idea that Paul is saying, he was telling the early church, be quiet, live a quiet life. And I think there's a principle here in Scripture for us, especially in this season, to quietly live out this season, to create space to encounter God, 
If we're so full, that means we need to quiet our life and we need to focus on the things that are important. I think it's really interesting to me that oftentimes when you talk about Christmas, you say, what's the reason for the season? Jesus, right? We, we talk about it as if Jesus' birthday. Aren't you glad that uh, we don't celebrate your birthday the way we celebrate Jesus' birthday? Hey, I was just picturing this with my kids. If we were like, hey, kids, we're going to celebrate your birthday, and we're going to make none of it about you. We're going to hang out pretty lights, but it's not going to be about you. And we're going to give gifts to other people, and, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to make it kind of a merchandise season. There's going to be commercials and songs. Um, but it's not really going to be about you. I think it's interesting, this idea that we call it Jesus' birthday, but oftentimes everything in the world hijacks the importance or priority of Jesus in the season, doesn't it? And so there's this sense then, if everything's clamoring for attention, we need to learn or be people who begin to quiet our life. As God quieted Zechariah, he was showing up to work. He was righteous and performing his priestly duties. We talked about last week, and I'm going to have you do this again. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, did you know that you're a priest? This is the principle in Peter that says that that the, it's called the priesthood of all believers. I, I don't know where you guys forgot your big priestly hats. I don't know where they at. But the Bible says that you're all priests. What's the purpose of a priest? To advocate for right relationship with Jesus, with God. To advocate for right relationship with God. And so when we talk about quieting our life, we need to remember that the, the crux of this season, the important part of this season, is that we walk in the priesthood of God, that we become a people about Him, not about consumerism, not just about doing the colorful things that we do in this season, but we need to be about advocating for right relationship with God. And that's how we quiet up, uh, quiet our lives. Maybe that for some of you, that means showing up for your family and prioritizing, prioritizing Jesus as the center of your gathering. For me, it's always telling, what do your kids talk about most? Are they more excited about getting gifts? Are they more excited to ponder and think about the first coming and the second coming of Jesus? How, what do we amp up more? So we talk about showing up for your, for your family. Some of you are going to have family gatherings. Do you advocate for right relationship with God in those family gatherings? I'll never forget a few years uh, ago, I've told this story to some of you, that I'm the reason that our extended family typically doesn't meet for the big Christmas gathering anymore. There was many years as I was growing up, we had the big gathering. You know what I'm talking about? The cousins, 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 twice removed, everybody showed up. But it was at that meeting one year that Becky and I felt really pressed that it was a lot about gathering for the family. It was not a lot about Jesus. And so we began to take, uh, we asked if we could read the Christmas story at this gathering. And we asked if we could sit down around a manger scene and explain what the manger scene meant. What was it? And I'll never forget that was the first Christmas I ever got hate mail afterwards. And that was also the last Christmas that we got to meet as the extended family because Shane and Becky had made it about Jesus. You'd be surprised how hard it is to make this season about Jesus, isn't it? And we have to fight. We have to fight to keep Jesus central in that. That means we have to quiet. Sometimes we have to use radical language like the angel did to Zechariah. Shut up! We have to say that to our own hearts who have our own expectations for the season. How many of you have expectations on yourself for what you have to get done where are those Christmas cards, people? You guys are already freaking out about Christmas cards. 
we got to get the family picture. Everybody get together. We have to have the family picture because if everybody isn't smiling in that picture, then we got to quiet our lives. It's not about the family picture. It's about Jesus. And maybe sending a messy picture will tell everybody that we need Jesus. But he showed up to work. Zechariah performed his priorities of priesthood. He was a husband. I think it's, it's a tough one as we also look at this passage to think about that another thing that was quieted was Elizabeth's womb. And that was a hard thing for them. As you can imagine, the, the, the passage reads as if there was an unfulfilled expectation there. You can imagine Elizabeth grieving this idea that she didn't have kids. But God had quieted their life. Even before he silenced Zechariah's mouth, he had quieted their womb for a purpose, for a purpose. And this is intriguing, that, that maybe God's glory would be evident even in their lack of meeting expectations. And I want you to maybe apply that to your Christmas this year. Maybe in your lack of meeting some of those expectations, maybe God is going to glorify himself in that place. See, circumstances may be hard or disappointing, but part of a plan that makes them valuable and purposeful makes me think of 1 Thessalonians 4, 10 through 12. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, 10 through 12. So this idea of being faithful with the season that you're given, even if it's not what you want it to be. That's a hard one, Pastor. But that's part of quieting your life. Even though you may not be getting your desires, for Elizabeth it was no children. See, there we have this promise in Scripture for, for those who are faithful and a little will be entrusted over more. There's a reward for faithfulness in this life. It's not, it's not always immediate, as we see. So we want to be people who quiet our lives to make space to encounter the glory of God in this season, not just in this season. Amen. I, I want to give you just a quick permission as your pastor. Are you okay? There's this word. It's, it's called no. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say no to yourself. It's okay, it's okay to say no to some of the expectations that others have on you. If they're not about Christ or centered on Christ, it's okay to say no quiet your life. Quiet all the other voices. I think it's interesting if you look at Zechariah in verses 13 through 17, the angel meets and talks about and actually explains to Zechariah these plans that God has for him. He has spoken the voice of God to Zechariah. And what was Zechariah's response? What was Zechariah's response? It's kind of fear. How will I know this will come true? His instant response was doubt, was doubt. It's almost like he didn't hear, and I like that the angel just replies, I am Gabriel, man. I'm an angel standing before you. Do I have to sit down and kind of, you know, justify and provide evidence? And so there's this kind of this idea that God has already spoken to us through his word. Yes, he has. 
He's given us hundreds of promises that we can hold on to. And so we need to quiet all of the other voices that are telling us something different than God's word, and we need to cling to what has already been spoken. Instead of listening to all of the other voices, hoping that one of them is going to tell us what we want to hear, we've already been told of the greatest story in all history, that this baby would come into the world, Emmanuel, God with us, and that he would pay the price for humanity's sins if we trust him in faith. Is there any greater story told? But that's history. So we need to quiet all of the other voices speaking to us. 2 Peter 1.3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his glory and excellence. I need to tell you, you don't need anything more. You already have everything that you need for life in Christ and an eternity with him. Many of us, I think, go through this Christmas season, and we think more about what we don't have or what we want or what we don't have. Anybody think about that? We compare ourselves to others, especially as everybody's catering their life on the internet and showing you only the best of the best pictures, the family gatherings that they're having. You begin to compare yourself and start to watch movies or shows about the perfect family. I like to watch, you know, non-perfect families in those shows, right? Just to just to remind, but we begin that comparison trap. We need to quiet those voices. We need to quiet those, all those other voices that are telling us about what this is supposed to be and listen to the voice that God has already spoken to us. To Zechariah, he was saying, you will have a son, and that son is going to prepare the way. He's going to be the prophet who prepares the way for Emmanuel who will be coming. What an amazing privilege that he instantly responded with doubt. I think he was listening to that, that still small voice in his own mind instead of that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Train yourselves, brothers and sisters, in this season. By the way, I always think about the enemy and, and uh, what he does in this season. And the enemy, Satan, all he has to do is just be as loud as possible. He doesn't have to have a consistent message. He just needs as many people to be as loud as possible in the lives of human beings, laying out expectations, laying out of what things are should be or shouldn't be. And so all he has to do is keep the chorus or the cacophony of this culture as loud and at a fever pitch so that nobody can hear what the season is all about. Christians should be people who can put in our noise-canceling headphones, if you will, and listen to the voice of God instead of the voice of others in the season. So how do we quiet our expectations? I think a root of Zechariah's doubt in what God had spoken to him came from expectations. How can I know this? He was looking for affirmation in all the wrong places, and instead the Word of God was right before him. Zechariah, you're going to have the Son that's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. But he wanted affirmation in other places. How many of you seek affirmation sometimes in places other than God? You know what I'm talking about. There's that auntie who shows up to Christmas and will tell you how you don't dress right, how you don't raise your kids right, how if you just did it her way, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, you're probably that auntie. So just repent. Quiet other expectations and stop looking for affirmation from other people because God has already spoken this idea that he has, through faith, if you're a believer here and you've trusted in Jesus, he has placed his righteousness on you. 
his righteousness on you. So that means you are made right with God. There is nothing more today that you can accomplish that is going to make God love you more. He already loves you equivalent with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there's things that you don't accomplish in this season, he will not love you any less. Because he loves you as a son and a daughter because that's the righteousness, the relationship that he gave to you by faith. And so all other expectations can diminish in the light of this. We have been made right with God. There's nothing more this season, brothers and sisters, that you can accomplish that's going to make God love you more. That's kind of nice to know, isn't it? Everybody just take a deep breath with me. We can let the facade go. Zechariah was along in years, assuming that God will not meet us in this season. And, and so he was, I'm old, and I don't know if God can use me anymore. I've talked to many seasoned believers, and they, they have that kind of that assumption is, I'm old, I'm kind of past. There's nothing more that God can do in my life. I want to rekindle this for you, brothers and sisters. Whether you're the oldest among you, whatever season you're in, walk into it with the expectation that God has already gone before you. It's not astounded him that you have aged. He knows where you're at and can use you powerfully in the season. Maybe it's a few words, but if you quiet your life and quiet your expectations, what can God do with you? He wanted, Zechariah wanted this explained in human reason. And I think so many of us, when we think about expectations, we're going to find what we look for. If we look for a burdened season, we will find it. If you look to be busy and overwhelmed, you will find yourself busy and overwhelmed. But if you look to enter into the peace of our God and spend time in relationship with him, I guarantee that God will meet you there. If that's what you seek out in this season. If you expect it to be just another year, it will be. But here's my proposal to you. Change your expectations. Change those expectations to be focused on the Lord. Just maybe plan to be wowed in the quiet and good truth of the Lord this season. Would you plan expectantly? This whole time, this whole, this whole season is kind of a it's, a, it's a juncture, it's a flag every year for us to see that there's an anticipation building for the coming of Jesus. There's a hope. That's what we talked about with the hope candle. Verse 21 through 22, Zechariah, um, Zechariah's mouth was closed. And I think sometimes we're so worried about how people are viewing our life that we're so worried about communicating it. Maybe this is for the younger generations. Are you ready? The social media generations. Maybe we need to be quiet on sharing everything that's happening. You don't need to take a picture of your Christmas dinner. But maybe there's this sense that Zechariah's mouth was closed until the appropriate time. Maybe for us that means that instead of sharing everything that's going on, I think it's interesting. For a time, Zechariah has this experience in the temple. He sees an angel. It takes some time. He comes out. He can't even tell anybody about what happened. At that point, who was that experience for? Zechariah. What if we were a people that encountered God in such a way that we were transformed from the inside out so much and had such a tender and passionate relationship with God that later we found ourselves sharing the, at the appropriate time instead of trying to argue people or force people into Christianity? What if it just bubbled out of our connection with him? Let me tell you, the greatest gift you can give in this season, somebody else, and I'm going to, it's not a Barbie house and it's not a bicycle. 
The greatest gift that you can give the people in your life is to have a thriving relationship with Jesus. That is the absolute best gift you can give your family, you can give your kids, you can give your spouse. The best gift that you can give to others is have a thriving relationship with Jesus. So quiet your need to share everything online and instead spend time, be present with God. Verses 21 to 22 shows us he remained quiet, wasn't able to share his experience. He was forced to sit on that experience, to think on it, to ponder it until he was able to agree. I think it's interesting, later on as you read, God didn't open his mouth until uh, he was able to write on a tablet that his name will be John. After Elizabeth became pregnant and they had this son of promise, his mouth wasn't opened back up until it was time, until he was able to acknowledge the will of the Lord for him. When God reveals something to you, but it, it doesn't apply to anyone else. I always think, how many of you listen to sermons or listen to things online or you listen to a sermon here or you read a Bible study and you're not thinking in terms of this applies to me, you're thinking who this applies to. You know what I'm saying? What if instead of sharing everything, God was trying to speak to you? Um, there's a principle in Scripture, right? Don't enforce your conscience or your gifting on others. Here's what I mean by that. Many of us, there are issues of conscience. Paul lays this out that we don't come in and we enforce people to dress the way that we want them to dress. There's freedom in Christ to do things different ways. Obviously, if the Bible says, well, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. But there's a lot of freedom and there's a lot of openness for how we can. That's an issue of conscience. If the Bible is quiet on something. We don't legislate that that's how it should be done. I thought this was really interesting. If you went to the community service with us, I just want to point out something kind of fun. A few few weeks ago, we had community service over at Cornerstone Church. And the pastors, we set this up. We want to do communion together because we're the churches of Riverton and we're excited. And then we started passing out communion. And then we realized as we were passing it out that we all have different traditions for how to do communion. And we handed some people and they were just like, they knocked that thing back. And I looked over and I was like, whoa, they're not even waiting. What's going on? And I realized, oh, they have different traditions. They have a different way of taking communion than we do. You know, we as good Baptists, we all quietly wait for everybody to get communion, right? But it was this beautiful picture of like, hey, I'm not going to enforce my conscience. And then we had to tell the pastor, go up and make sure you can tell the good Baptists to take their communion now. Yeah, it was beautiful. We didn't have to enforce our conscience on one another. Also, our gifting. We have this weird culture, I think, that it's like, I'm passionate and I'm gifted in this area. So everybody else has to be too. You ever been around one of those folks? How many of you have been those folks? And it's like, you need to be as passionate about this as I am. And then you kind of start to build this bitterness up in your heart that other people aren't as passionate about something as you are, or as gifted in that thing as you are. I want to give you the permission to quiet that and stop sharing necessarily your expectations on others, your gifting on others. I'll never forget, I, I sat down one time with a friend of mine um, who's since passed, and, and he, was, he was deeply convicted about the Old Testament law. He wanted to return to the adherence of the Old Testament law. That included not eating pig. Well, that didn't sit well with me because I'm a big fan of bacon. 
And I remember we had many, many conversations over the dinner table, um, but he was just pressed that we had to and that, that it was so sinful for me to eat bacon. And so I started preparing plates of bacon to eat while he told me. No, I'm just kidding. But if we let go of some of those expectations that are not God's for us and stop sharing everything with everybody and just thinking maybe sometimes those issues of conscience are for you, maybe you can enjoy a preciousness in relationship and walk with God. And maybe people can stop thinking about you as so legalistic. Not every picture has to go online. Not everything has to be shared. Sometimes God gives us an experience that's precious between us and him. I was thinking about married couples. Married couples should have inside jokes. Am I right, Becky? Right, we should have inside jokes. There should be an intimacy between me and my wife that you guys don't get to see. That's great. Right? But there's this sense that we get to have an intimacy with God that nobody else gets to, to see and have. He has approached us. Do you cling to that and stop trying to share it or enforce it on others? When you have an intimate relationship, some things are left for just the two of you and no one else. Do it for the Lord. This season, how many, how many of the things that we do, we do to be seen instead of we do it because the Lord is good? We're not here for the approval of men. We're not here for the approval of our parents. Thank goodness. Can I get an amen for that? Some of you could stand to respect your parents a little more, but that includes me. <laughs> We're not here for the approval of a boss or our friends. We're here for Christ. And so sometimes that means glorifying him in the quiet without being seen and out sharing everything. Number five, quiet. And I want you to see that this leads to something incredible. The reason I believe this passage tells us and scriptures encourage us to have times of quiet with the Lord is quiet unleashes genuine praise. How many of you have lost your love of the Christmas season? We were having Sunday school conversation this morning and about half the crew said they hate Christmas songs. I'm, I'm looking at you. Where are you at? No, I'm just kidding. But there's kind of this, and, and as they shared their experience, why it was that it just kind of became lackluster. It became something that was the same every year. So what do we do with Christmas? Well, quiet unleashes genuine praise. What did this do for Zechariah? Luke 1, 63 through 64, and he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John, and they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. Some of your translations will say he began to praise. And then there's this amazing little portion I'm going to read for you that he begins to praise. Some of you, the reason why this season is such a drag is because you've drugged your feet and you've, you haven't submitted to the will of God in your life, and so you're still fighting him. And so dwelling on his birth and coming into this world is a challenge. It hurts to think about submitting. But when John was able to submit to the will of God and write, his name is John, his mouth was loosened to praise. Maybe the reason why Christmas is not what it should be. There is an awe and excitement in your heart. Maybe it's because there's something in your life you haven't submitted to the will of the Lord. The wonder and awe of Emmanuel has escaped you, and you wonder why. Maybe grabbing that tablet, if you will, and confessing that God's way is best will unlock you to enjoy the celebration of the Savior's birth like you haven't in years. What is that tablet for you? Where is that confession? Where is that submission to the will of the Lord? And just maybe it'll unlock a new type of celebration during Christmas. This is what it did for Zechariah. Are you ready? Luke 1, 68 through 75. 
Zechariah responded, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. I heard one amen there. Let me read that again. For he has visited and redeemed his people. That is so good. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and in righteousness before him in all our days. Did you hear that? We can serve the Most High God, the Creator of all creation, who has thoughts beyond our thoughts. We get to serve Him as if we were right with Him, and as if we had righteousness in Him. So Zechariah is laying down these huge truths that we tend to think, oh, that's so cliche. I've heard this before. If you've heard this before, let me encourage you, brother and sister, maybe you need to sit on it in the quiet and ponder what it means. Because if this truth has grown old to you, then you don't understand the truth. It is a timeless and powerful truth that God intervened in human history to make us right with himself. Now, I don't know what you're planning to do this Christmas, but now I will certainly not be listening to Christmas, Blue Christmas by Elvis. But I do want to learn from my dad's perspective to sit down and be quiet and listen to the voice of the living God and allow his voice to be prioritized over everyone else this season. So brothers and sisters, this season, can we learn to be quiet and return to the awe and the joy of the newborn king? Can we do this? Can we be still and hear his voice? If you're in a small group, I want to encourage you, what needs to happen for me to be still and know God this season? That's the question I want you to ask in your small groups. What needs to happen? What do you need to say no to? What do you need to step up and do? Maybe it's that you're neglecting your priestly duty and you're not making disciples. You're just there to have a good time and get through life. What needs to happen for me to be still and know God this season? I'm going to have Carol come up and I'll have our elders. We're going to have a time of communion together. But I want to give us a moment. Would you, before Carol starts playing, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Would you check in with the Lord? Remember that you have direct access to him through Jesus Christ. That means that you can talk as if you're one of his sons. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will, exalt. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Would you just spend a moment of silence remembering who it is that God brought into this human existence on our behalf to save us. As the elders pass out the the elements, I just want to encourage you, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you haven't professed faith in Jesus, would you just let these elements pass by you? There's no shame, but I do ask that you maybe consider what it means to place your faith in Jesus.
for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you're here and you're a believer, it doesn't matter from where you're from, we practice open communion because we believe that God's church is so much bigger than just our gathering here. Would you join us at the table of Christ, remembering his sacrifice for us? It always amazes me how hard it is just to be still and to be quiet. I think about how antsy my heart is. Like, we got to get moving. We got to do communion efficiently. Got to do communion efficiently? We need to be here and be about Christ. How many of your hearts in the quiet it goes to where I need to get to or what I need to do? Quiet that voice. Be present with Christ as we remember his body, which symbolizes the bread. His body was broken for us on the cross. And so when we take this, Jesus reminds us that we need to remember him. He does this so that we are accountable to always coming back to what we're about as Christians. We're not a country club. We're not polished people. We're people here in desperate need of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness he gives. Would you take the broken body of Christ? And the scriptures tell us that Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so we know that Jesus took the full wrath of God that was due us, and he turned that cup over, and he said, it is finished. And so here, as we remember Christ, would you take of the blood of Christ? Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we pray that, that this season would not pass by without us dwelling on what, what you have done for us. God, I pray that you would give the gift of intimate joyful and filling relationship with your people. And that, God, that this season many of us would encounter you, that you would speak to us, that you would talk to us, and that we would walk with you in such a way that maybe in January we could come together and say, you'll never believe what God did. You'll never believe what God said. Oh, I can't wait for us to rejoice together. But in the midst of the loud season, would you help us in our hearts to stay quiet and to know that you are God. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.